it almost felt like boring. <laughs> like I was expecting that same rush that I felt mm-hmm. with my third, and this was like kind of boring. Holy Wild Birth is a podcast embracing the reclamation of giving birth rooted in God's original design, undisturbed. Here, we share homebirth stories highlighting God's presence as the great midwife, as well as conversations about all aspects of a holistic, spirit-led childbearing year. From the perspectives of myself, traditional midwife Lauren Hall of Rooted in Eden Private Contract Association, and me, holistic doula and birth keeper Brooke Collier of Sister Birth. To choose a holy wild birth journey is to consecrate all your decisions unto the Lord. And to reclaim creation unadulterated by centuries of human attempts to control and improve upon what God has already called good. Please remember, birth is not a medical event, but a natural process. We are not your care providers, and this should not be taken as medical advice. Hello! It's going to be another birth story telling today. This episode is going to be a little bit long, but I think you will also find it very much worth the time to listen to it. So I have Jelena joining me today, and she's going to tell us four birth stories. Um, And the first three are hospital births, but they all serve to kind of tell the progression that led her to ultimately having a free birth last year. Um, And I think you'll find there's so many nuggets of goodness embedded in her stories and her process around those stories. Um, Her story also includes threads of infertility and miscarriage that she's very open about sharing as well. So she really covers the whole gamut. Um, So I hope you can find a cozy way to settle in and give this episode a listen. And if you have to do it in two chunks, that's very understandable, Um, but it will be worth your time. As we dive into today's birth story, just a reminder that the choices and beliefs of the mamas sharing their stories here are as individual and varied as the storyteller herself and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or recommended actions of Lauren and or Brooke. Uh, Jelena, thank you so much for jumping on this podcast with me. I'm so glad to have you here. How are you? <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I'm well. I got this last night, so it was my turn to sleep, so I'm ready to go. Great. Me too. Um. So I already know a bit about your stories, but um, I was going to, we wanted to start with, you did not start off an out of hospital birther or home birther. You started off in hospital. And so you've had three in that context. No. So um, since this podcast is mostly focused on home birth stories, we're going to spend the most time on that story, but I definitely still want to hear a little bit of the background information about your journey into motherhood and those first three births and, mm-hmm. and what they kind of taught you or showed you. So why don't you start there? Yeah. My goodness. My journey into motherhood was its own podcast <laughs> or an entire book. <laughs> but to sum it up, we tried for three years um, for our firstborn. And in that time we had um, this carriage of our first pregnancy. And that was something that was just like, 
full devastation. I was just like on my knees. I wasn't even a Christ follower at the time. And I just was like, hmm, the, the Bible helps other people. So maybe it'll help me. So I Googled um, Bible verses for miscarriage. And I came across one that was quite helpful. Um, Romans 8.18, which I have tattooed on my arm. And um, just read through that until I could like find my breath again. And in the meantime, my husband um, uh, for divorce, and I called his bluff. And so we've been married almost eleven years now. <laughs> that was uh, right. It was shortly before our four-year anniversary. Um, so it was just, uh, yeah, it was it was devastating, and it was also a time where Christ found me, and um, I know. A faithful follower of him and as is my husband and as is our for our firstborn son um, as a washman's boy so praise the Lord on that and um, yeah so finally conceived my firstborn um, we had into, like ways to improve our fertility naturally and so we we cut out all these toxins, we switched to whole food eating, and now looking back, we see, you know, when you step into God's design for your body and the way that it works with, with the earth, uh, you see good things happen, and just as he designed, and so we did those things, and then shortly after that, we conceived our firstborn, and it was really hard to go through that pregnancy, and I just was like, I wanted to apply this, like, non-toxic um, like holistic, natural, hands-off sort of um, approach to yeah. his birth and my parenting with him. And so one thing that was really important to me was breastfeeding. That was like my end goal was I want to breastfeed for at least a year. And so everything that led to that point was what I was after. So I hoped mm -hmm. for an unmedicated birth with him. And I can't even say I prepared for one <laughs> Now, seeing what I did for my other ones that were unmedicated, I did not prepare and I didn't know. Well, it's kind um, of funny time, how but, and, the first time you're um, trying to so have a natural birth, it's almost inevitable that you'll look back at it and think, wow, I really wasn't that prepared for that. <laughs> you think you are. Right. And like, how do, how do I know? Like, I didn't, I didn't have an understanding at the time of what it takes to support a woman yeah. and to be supported and to have like a sacred space and I just thought like I kind of had this you know oh women before me have done it, <laughs> it out. kind of thing <laughs> but women before me had support who had an understanding of physiological birth which I did not have <laughs> yeah <laughs> that he asked for sure and um yeah, exactly. So I actually had mentioned home birth, like in passing, because that was just something that kind of fit within my holistic, like hand drop kind of mentality. And my husband gave a typical answer. I'm not comfortable with that. And I didn't know enough about home birth to push for it. So I was like, okay. So I found like, I did all this research to find this wonderful OB. I really liked him. Um, he was just like very compassionate. He had his own um his own uh, practice so it was like just him and so anyway i had ob care with him i had ob care also with my second born because i just like it's what i did with my first born and i didn't notice at the time anything that was like do like a huge turn off so i just kind of 
did um, with my firstborn onto my second, who also, um, we had a miscarriage before him. So it's just been, <laughs> been a mess um, getting yeah, into those. You have but, been through a lot in terms of fertility of in general and then, and then holding pregnancies. Yeah. You've experienced both sides of that, like trouble getting pregnant and, and then losing. And that's, that's a pretty significant part of your story. You probably never had a completely easy breezy pregnancy where you were just like fear and no, just yeah. complete whatever naivete. Yeah, no, no naivete, mm-hmm. no like um, ignorant bliss or not ignorant, but you know, just like untouched and pure. And um, that's I'm like kind of breezing it over it now, but I have uh, plenty of sources of like what it's been like. What I, where I've shared what it's been like to go through that and it's definitely like if anyone's listening and whether or not you've had a miscarriage you're like oh yeah she's just like freezing over it it was like I'm kind of on the verge of tears as I'm like saying some of these things but it's it's just a fact of my life at this point and I'm in a different season where I'm, I can't decide if I'm just like so traumatized I don't like to think about it or if I feel right. so much that I don't need to think about it yeah I just don't think about it so much anymore i did have a day recently um it was actually the anniversary of my first miscarriage i like i went to bed and i just felt like i hadn't even realized the date i just felt so empty and like alone even though my husband had been sleeping uh, husband and i have been sleeping in shifts the past like six months with my fourth fourth son and i just felt like so empty and i'm like i feel like i need to hold something and then i realized the date and I dug up my teddy bear that I got after one of my miscarriages and I stuck with the teddy bear. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it pops up for sure. And it definitely informs like how I approach my physical health, my mental health, my parenting style. Um, Cause with my parenting, I'm like, I need to discipline these kids, but I wanted them so badly. I don't want to yell at them. So yeah, I, that's real. In the middle <laughs> I feel like, so. <laughs> well, two things. So One is, if you said you have other places where you've talked more uh-huh. in depth about your infertility and miscarriage stuff, I would love to be able to put links to those things in the show notes if that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just wanted to say, I yeah, think I I, I've so. heard a lot of moms who have gone through infertility and recurrent miscarriages talk about that almost the guilt they feel over having a hard time parenting <laughs> because it's like, I waited so long for this. I know how valuable this is. It was so hard to get here. How dare I have negative feelings towards these children, right? <laughs> right. And then there's like, this is what you asked for, which I never, yeah, I, it was like, I've internalized that. I've seen that message. I've never actually heard, had anybody tell me that. But then I've also never been like, oh, this is so hard because I just tell myself like, this is what you wanted. And you knew, like, I think a lot of, women they kind of go into parenthood with um some naivete and like not understanding what all goes into it and like they think it's going to be fun or cute or like a milestone or whatever um i definitely like my sister's 10 years younger than me my mom was a drug addict and so i have i had an understanding going into it of what parenting entailed um more than i think most people at my age at the time but um i still got this like oh man, this is hard. And, um, like, this is what you asked for. You knew what you were getting into this. And so I, I didn't have a lot of support postpartum with either of them. I didn't seek a lot of support and 
um, yeah, I definitely have found uh, like a nice balance of the gentle parenting and parenting as God parents us. And um, I, I get to understand that better now as a mother of like, how does like, what does God do in the situation? And, you know, he talks to us and he welcomes us back and he asks us to repent and he forgives us. And um, just like myself being humble and being an example and not like, um, you know, I, I'm his mother on this earth, but ultimately I'm a sister in Christ with my children. And so just taking that mentality and being humble and um, still understanding that discipline and teaching and guiding and setting an example and not punishing. I love that. That's so beautifully said. Um, that's definitely a bit, of, yeah, a big part of my motherhood, which is like unspoken um, as I'm like talking and stuff, but it's, it's just how it's just integral in my life now. And so it's not something I ever mm-hmm. like even think to. Oh, I love that. To, I'm so glad you me. shared that. Didn't, didn't expect we'd get into gentle parenting, but that was <laughs> yeah. a really beautiful <laughs> side note. Yeah. And, and such oh, yeah. a beautiful legacy of what you've been through that <laughs> it's even because of the hard things you went through, mm-hmm. your marriage hit a crisis point, but then also God found you. And because of the hard things you went through, it shaped you um, mm-hmm. and the way that you mother. And that's really like, those are redemption stories and that's really good stuff. Oh yeah. But I think we, I call infertility the best struggle I never chose. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, should we move like back to your births? <laughs> I think you. I think we, we were somewhere between two and three. Yeah. So my first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my first two, um, they kind of the, they're very similar. The big difference was one of them I had the private practice, and the other one I got, um, like I had we had moved, and it was the one where they switched you around. And the one that I ended up at my birth was the one that I liked the least, of course, but you like, you have no say over that. So they were both long. They were 36 and 42 hours. They both were in the hospital. Um, Both of them, I just like hadn't prepared. I didn't really have an understanding of physiological birth. I wanted both of them to be unmedicated. And both of them, I had this like rectal contractions, which is a whole other thing if anyone has heard of that or experienced that and you need support in that then come find me because <laughs> I had to work through that with my second two or my last two births but um my second birth I was threatened by a c-section for no other reason other than I had been there a long time and I don't really remember much of like his birth and the early postpartum and I feel like those are definitely connected and both of them I ended up getting the epidural and for the epidural I had to like sit very still and so I would have these contractions coming on it was at a point where like I was having these strong contractions I had to sit very still and I managed to do that because I didn't want to like get paralyzed or have something go wrong there so I like stayed very still and then by the time the epidural was in I was like oh I could have just done that (laughs) and then like gotten through the contractions but it was too late at that point and (laughs) so I had um with the epidural um I didn't feel anything I guess like most women feel like either it doesn't work or like 
half of their body they can feel something or at the very least they feel some sort of pressure and I felt nothing not a thing not nothing I could like look at the contraction monitor and be like I can't believe I'm having contraction because I feel nothing unless I could like touch my belly and it would harden um and actually it so happens that with even my unmedicated births I don't feel that's very unique at all so they were I know it's yeah it's very weird I feel it like only with my first three in my rectum and then like that and my cervix just like that downward pressure in my cervix so um I don't know I feel like I'd rather have it in my belly (laughs) it would be less intense but um so I uh I didn't feel anything and with the epidurals and both teams, two different hospitals in two different states, didn't comprehend that I couldn't feel anything. And so they would be like, okay, you need to push a few times on this contraction. The goal was like three or four times per contraction. And the idea is once, once the peak got there that I would push three times. And they coached me through like the purple pushing. I felt like all this pressure in my face. I actually got like the red, um, the petechiae, the red like sprinkles on my face with my firstborn and um so it got to the point where my husband was mm-hmm. like reading the contraction monitor for me and he was telling me when to push because the hospital team kept asking do you feel that one did you feel that one did you feel that one and i'm like no i don't like i don't know what other words to tell you other than i don't feel anything and so he was the one who was coaching me through the pushing which if you like watch hospital births on um like if you ever watched a baby oh, story yeah. or watched shows. Them, like, recreated in any way it's the hospital team that's telling you when to push right yeah i thought i was so important <laughs> because i had watched know, those right? growing up and i wasn't that important <laughs> actually as it turns out i was just kind of brainwashed <laughs> i guess i this is what i feel like now um and so my husband ended up being the one that told me when to push and then like there was no support before there was no like support in like working through contractions which i was expecting um if if i put in my plan that i wanted an unmedicated birth i was expecting support for that and not that my husband and i will have to do that aspect on our own and then they were just kind yeah. of like monitoring us which was not helpful i, I do think that's <laughs> I mean, like, i've attended a lot of hospital births so that's kind um, of the norm it's like i kind of leave you alone to do your own thing until right. you're pushing, and then they get really bossy. Now we're going to tell you exactly how to push. Get in this position. Oh, yeah. Out, you know, hold your breath, oh, push, okay. catch your breath, push Oh, yeah, again. they did that for my third. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Which, and I had in my mind, I already knew, like, this concept of laboring down. For both of them, I would get to, like, nine and a half centimeters, and they were like, let's just push this out of the way. And I don't know if that was them being impatient or if it was a cervical lift or both. Um, But I had this concept of laboring down, and I had this concept of, um, um, like, not holding your breath, of, like, breathing your baby out. But I didn't know enough to, like, push for it. And I also... It was. It's very hard in that in that circumstance to yeah. like advocate for yourself. I can do that like a little bit better at appointments and stuff. But as far as like being there, like on your back with your legs open and all these people surrounding you telling you to do, 
I just completely lose yeah. my voice. And I think that happens to a lot of moms. Like, no matter how strong you are going into it, birth is a different thing. You have, like, all these hormones. You have these, like, your brain shifts priorities from, like, the thinking and the arguing and the making logical decisions to, like, the emotional, like, protecting your baby and trying to, like, birth the baby. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. Sort of thing. So... You just mm-hmm. don't know how it's yeah. going to be until you And you're almost it. caught up in the current, I think, in the hospital system of there's all these people moving in this direction. And it's, and again, because your brain isn't in advocacy, critical thinking mode, yeah. you just kind of get swept up in the current of what's happening. And then it's only afterwards when you get out of the river yeah. that you're like, what just happened? <laughs> I mm-hmm. think that's what I meant to do. Right, yeah, yeah, I had like... Yeah. And I, I'm a people pleaser to begin with. Well, I'm a recovering people pleaser <laughs> to begin with. And so, yeah, I just did what they told me. And I just, like, I could be in the moment, like, with my third, a kind of a similar thing ended up happening. And I'm like, I could see at that moment, why are you doing what they're telling yeah. you to do? But I just, you're not no, in the same you're not. It's meant to be that way. That's purposeful. Um, but when it's not being honored and respected and it it can be really damaging and really interruptive at the very oh, yeah. least. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. So those were kind of my first two, very similar. And then my third ended up being my first unmedicated birth, which was very exciting. Um, so, <laughs> so I had this like realization, like, okay, I need to prevent, I need to uh, prepare spiritually and emotionally and like mentally more than I need to prepare physically and that's like my number one advice to first-time moms is prepare mentally more mm-hmm. than prepare physically <laughs> so um yeah so I learned about this like what are these rectal contractions why do I have them how, how can I mitigate them I had all these techniques for that I had like a journal mm-hmm. where I wrote my prayers my prayer requests and my favorite Bible verses and stuff. I was like in the word all the time. Holy spirit would wake me up in the middle of the night and like direct me toward a passage and I would go read it and I'd be like, Oh, this, okay. This is like totally speaking to me. And that's actually how we got his name, which was really fun. Like we had a different name picked out before, but Holy spirit had led me to this reading for that. And um, yeah, so I just was like very connected. um, And I had this, I kept having this vision of like I had watched Passion of the Christ and I kept thinking of Jesus like with the crown of thorns and carrying the cross and just like beaten down and bloody and weak and just carrying on and I was like if Jesus can do that for me then I can go through this feeling of power for my baby yeah what a beautiful truth to carry with you (laughs) yeah um, I'm glad I watched that actually, <laughs> that movie a long time ago. It really gave me like that visual that helped me. And so he was 13 minutes from being born in the car. Uh, his labor, I had gone from 46 hours, 42 hours with my second down to three hours jump. with my third. And I had just really mastered. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so when people ask about that, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's possible. Be be ready. <laughs> and then they say the third is a wild card, but then it kind of happened with my fourth, too. So um, I had I had mastered the 
the art of surrender and i i think as a christian it's easier to understand that concept and to kind of manifest it because i was just like relaxing my body and like constant prayer like my whole labor was a three hour long prayer essentially and um so we get to the hospital we're driving 80 miles an hour oh my husband i was like on my knees unbuckled turn around backwards very unsafe not like (laughs) they say hospital birth is safer this was not safer than just staying home (laughs) and uh get out at the hospital to um the end of five guns uh from police staged um around our vehicle which my husband told me about they had started following you during your drive right Um, trying to get to pull him over essentially yeah yeah, I was riding backwards, and so I saw the lights, and but I wasn't thinking, and my husband was like, turn around, and I'm like, oh, duh, yeah, that makes sense. If they see us, you know, they don't want to see me riding backwards. So praise the for the time that this baby came, because the lights that are usually red, there's like, you get off the exit, and there's three or four stoplights to even get to the hospital. Um, they were yellow instead of red. So he just blew, blew through them, and he had his, like, he had his blinkers on and he had his window rolled down he was like pointing to the hospital like we're going to the hospital and i could hear the sirens and um yeah so we got there and i got out and this police officer came around he was trying to escort me but the the contractions were just like one on top of the other um so i had to work through a couple contractions before um i was able to even like accept his help to walk into the building and then there wasn't there was just like a front desk guy in there and the police officer left me and I was like, my husband was being held up because he had talked to police. <laughs> so I was like in there, like contractions went on top of the other, like I need to go pee, which is what I feel when the baby's almost born. I don't feel like I have to poop. I feel like I have to pee. So, um, yeah, I did that a couple of times and, um, I had some people, finally bring a wheelchair and like try to put me into the emergency room like I think you're giving birth in the emergency room and I'm like no show me where the maternity ward is and I'm walking and I'm leading the way like as I'm having contractions and they're like oh how far apart are your contractions like you can hear why don't you sign them for me (laughs) just like complete chaos like I don't understand why like why am I being told to come to the hospital when they I think they've lost the art form of watching a woman to figure out how labor is progressing because they're so reliant on the technology, right? Like if my technology is not here to tell me what's going on inside this woman's body, I don't know what to do. Yeah. They've just lost that, like using one's senses to assess. Well, so yeah, so these were men and they were working, they were ER workers. And so I'm like, I'm not going to give birth with you in the ER. And I could see into the ER and I saw these yeah. curtains. And I'm like, no, show me to the maternity ward. I'm like, is it this way? Is it this way? Like, is it this way? <laughs> Tell me where. And he would not show me because he wanted to get me into the bed. And I'm like, I'm telling you, I want to go to the maternity ward. So now he's like wasting time, right? And so finally he gets me in the wheelchair and I'm sitting on my knees because that's my preferred like labor position. And he wouldn't push the chair. And my husband's like, just go. So finally, he picked up the pace and got me up there. And we get up there, and they're like, we're going to check you in. And I'm uh, like, as I'm having a contraction, and they're like, okay, why don't we just get you into this room? So they didn't know my name. I didn't know their names. I hadn't seen their faces. I like, I had to pee again, even though I just had done that a few, few minutes ago. 
and then I got into the bed. I'm like on my hands and I'm on my knees with my hands around the bed and um there's all these people behind me. They're trying they're like checking my cervix, which I didn't know their names, I didn't know their faces. Um and they were just took it upon themselves to like put body parts up my body while a human's trying to come out. So basic Oh yeah. I was uh, I became more upset after my fourth birth yeah. <laughs> that that had happened with my third birth, and um, blood pressure cuff going on me like just none of this with my permission. I still don't know any of their names of anybody that was there. Like over two years later, two and a half years later, and my they were like telling me they were trying to get me to blow up a balloon or something. Like I did not understand what they were saying at all. So finally, my husband was like, "Look at me." And he locked eyes with me, and I remember noticing the color of his eyes. And he like, he's like, I want you to blow onto my hand. And he put his hand in front of me, and I blew on his hand. And that's like, mm-hmm. that's what they were trying to get me to do. But that kind of helped me catch my breath. And my throat was so dry from like vocalizing through the contractions, and I was thirsty, but I didn't have enough time between contractions to take a drink. It was it was like really intense. So that kind of like slow things down a little bit and then they forced me onto my back and I was like I don't want to get on my back I don't want to I don't want to I don't like this and they're like oh yeah it's for the baby so now of course you yeah you hit the mother where it counts you know so I I got on my back and then they're telling me like I'm having at this point I'm having fetal ejection reflex there's like 10 people in the room I think they I think they got freaked out because I was so loud like they had it ever seen a physiological birth or something and like the NICU was in there and stuff and I'm like it's a baby coming out like what do you expect so um yeah I so so then they started telling me how they started telling me how to push like hold your breath and so I couldn't argue with them like I was having fetal ejection reflex and this vocalization was my that was my pain um my pain relief was this vocalization and they're trying to tell me to not do that. And it just felt so unnatural. Like, I felt like I was, with the vocalization, I was getting, like, the right muscles involved to, like, support the fetal ejection reflex. And they're telling me to hold my breath. So now I'm taking pressure away from, like, what's happening down there. up, And it's going up to, into my face. <laughs> and um, so what I had to do was I had to silence myself and pretend that I was holding my breath. So that they would leave me alone about that and I could continue allowing my body to do what it was already doing. Uh, It's like trying to reason with an ancient primal reflex. Doesn't really work. (laughs) Here, fetal ejection reflex. Let me tell you. Right, exactly. I didn't want to. I was like, this is working. Right. Well, with my first two, I was like, you know, like I said, I'm like recovering people pleaser. I didn't want anyone else. I didn't want to disturb anybody else. So that was a factor in me getting the epidural was because I didn't want to get into like loud vocalizations and so before I got to that point I opted for the epidural and so this time I was like well, this works and this helps and they're trying to like cut that off and I'm like no <laughs> like this has been working up and you know for these past hours and now you come in here like the heroes and you're telling me to do it some other way no I'm not gonna do that such a so, high drama birth. Um, yeah, so he was... You can almost oh, yeah. feel the adrenaline um, in the story. Yes, like, it's just like adrenaline, 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 which 
honestly makes it quite impressive right. that your body finished that birth as efficiently as it did because adrenaline is going to be a bit of an enemy like of so the birth hormones. And yet, in spite of all that adrenaline surrounding you, your body still right. finished that birth so smoothly and quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I pretty much labored in the car. So I think by the time I got there, I was so far along that there was no stopping it. Um, I think his personality is like just so go, go, go as well <laughs> that he's like, okay, I'm ready. Here I come. And he's like still that way, <laughs> just like <laughs> barricaded through me. <laughs> so um, yeah, I and so I had my first unmedicated birth, and I felt so connected with him, and I felt this like rush of bonding hormones that I I had felt before had been numbed, but now I have the confirmation mm. that like wow, this is what it's supposed to feel like. I'm so in love. Like I feel so. I feel so good. I had this like rush of like hormones and adrenaline, like the adrenaline added to it and stuff. And um, like I wrote out his whole birth story and I shared it. I actually have the whole thing typed out on my website, which I'll share later. So if you want to know more about the police yeah. chase, which is a we will definitely link to that. It's yeah. all typed out. <laughs> and so um, yeah, I just like my postpartum period with him was better. I'm like still to this day so bonded in a way that I just didn't with my first two that like yeah. has to be more intentional yeah. on my end um can, can I ask does that bring up so, has that yeah. brought up but a little bit I felt of grief for you like once you tasted what it could be like did you have some retroactive grief and lost feelings about what happened with your first two um I think it was more like um what do I want to say? Mm, like okay, yeah. Which for it wasn't mm-hmm, like a good. negative feeling for me. I did have like feelings of comparison, but it wasn't something that I, it was. Hmm. It was like a I wonder. I wonder, but I had, with my first birth, I had such a positive experience. Like I just, I had finally become a mother after all these years, and I was like I just felt like I was in this bubble yeah. with my baby and we were a family of three and ultimately I felt like it was a baby friendly hospital so it was one where like all the nurses are trained um, all the nurses are trained in breastfeeding so they were all helpful um you're like encouraged to have the baby sleep with you on your chest rather than putting them in the bassinet so the hospital in general in my experience was that they really encouraged bonding um, and I, I knew that some moms took longer to bond with their babies than others. So I just kind of chalked it up to that at that time. And so it's more like, I just wonder what it would have yeah. been like if I had had an unmedicated birth yeah. with him. Um, but yeah, just like That's, doing yeah, the that makes sense. I could at the time. You That's know? good. So now you had tasted through that third birth, yeah. how <laughs> the lack of drugs, um, and the less interruptions to <laughs> your postpartum, like how that made such a difference. Is that kind of what ended up propelling you into thinking about maybe approaching your fourth birth in a different way? Tell us how you got from, I'm still going to the hospital, mm. but I'm going to have a natural birth there <laughs> to, I'm not going to go to the hospital. Wow. Yeah. The first, the uh, there's it's multifaceted, but the first thing that comes to my mind is that I had in my mind for my third birth that I could um, 
is coming up for me right now, by the way. I had three miscarriages before him. <laughs> so it was like just like a hallelujah moment to like have this baby. Yeah. He's my little crazy baby. And um, I had um, some experience at that time with how the miscarriage care or like their and, and that sort of thing. And um, I, theirs is the best hospital. Like that's the best hospital available to me in my area, but it's still over an hour away. And I didn't care for like their care through the miscarriage, um, through miscarriages or like they're kind of, you know, let's put a bandaid and medicate you rather than like, what is the root cause here? Um, so, my with my third birth um let's see well <laughs> just kind of again? how you got how you how, how you got from birth. like having a natural birth but still doing it at the hospital to deciding to not go to the hospital with your fourth okay yes yes so i had in my mind like i wanted to free birth like i had this concept because when I started getting into like searching natural birth or a medicated birth, this free birth kept coming up and I kept following pages and I'm like, okay, this is what it is to have an undisturbed birth. And the best way that that could happen was like, it was most likely to happen when you just didn't have anybody there to try and like put their fears or, you know, their previous experiences or whatever upon you. Um, so I had it in my mind, like I wanted a free birth, but in the hospital, like, I'm in the room. I'm by myself with my husband because he's the only one that I've needed up until this point. And um, I'm you like you guys are in the hallway. And if we need you, we'll let you know. Like you're there for emergencies, which I thought <laughs> what the hospital was for. Um, what if something goes wrong? Right. This like general blanket statement. What if something goes wrong? Um, so um, that was one one big factor was like I realized with my third birth that free birth is not a thing like it's not possible because they're trying to like prevent life yeah. on their end and if they you know leave you in the room on your own and then like the baby falls out on his head or something that's on them that falls down on them or in their in their mind that's what what the case would be um so I realized in that moment that I wasn't going to get this undisturbed birth that I had envisioned. And I was like, if I'm only there for 13 minutes and they can do the number of things that they did in that time, like it's just <sighs> not going to happen. Um, and then with the precipitous labor as well, like I labored entirely in the car and I did not yeah. keep, like making that drive. Um, and then just like I had been, I had worked in the hospital myself um, I worked at a trauma center and, you know, gone to school for being an x-ray tech and everything. So I just had like a deep knowledge and appreciation for informed consent and patient care. And so I was I'm very picky about the care that I receive. And when I saw that that wasn't matching up, like the best care available to me didn't, wasn't anywhere near what I was looking for. Um, there was like a lot of coercion through my through my pregnancy as well and like withholding of information withholding of options that I knew that I knew were options um I just didn't want to mess with it and then like I'm in New York State and so that's like this was he was born the beginning of March 2020 
And so, like, this back and forth of, like, what's allowed and what's not allowed and whatever. Um, I, I, I was... That was a crazy time to be having a baby. Like, so that, talk about so many ever-changing external circumstances yeah. and the fear that was just in the water for everyone at that time. Like, it's a... You had your baby at a critical, right. difficult point in our <laughs> recent history as a country. Yeah, like, I... I was anxious enough about like what are the restrictions for um for the appointments like let alone having to deal with what are the restrictions going to be. I already felt so restricted in the best case like I it came when I like things were just kind of starting to get weird. They were asking like do you have a fever before my appointment and like the rest of the hospital had different restrictions of the maternity ward and stuff. Yeah. So it was like just getting weird. Um, thankfully, because <laughs> I don't think I would have done well if it had been like later that month. Um, so yeah, so then when I was pregnant, still, I know everything was dragging on through 2021. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna mess with that. And then in my the way that the care system is in my area, it's like all or nothing. Like you either go to all of the appointments and give up birth at the hospital, or you do nothing because you can't. If you go in for like just the twenty week ultrasound, or you don't have any prenatal care, and then go in just for the birth, mm-hmm. it's a huge red flag for them. Um, this area is like not friendly toward home birth, home school, home anything, and so I had to be very careful with. Um, I had to be very careful about how or if. I yep. sought hospital care at all through my pregnancy. Because my it sounds pregnancy. like in the, the way things are set up where you are, especially to even try to dip your toe in or kind of go in to get one thing and then come back out, it doesn't really work. Is that what I'm hearing? Like all or nothing. And if you no, right. show your yep, face in there, the, then you're kind of on their thing. radar. Mm-hmm. And okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I um, there's no home birth midwives here. Wow. Three and a half hours is the mm-hmm. nearest one in my state but i live on a state line and so the closest midwives are actually across the bridge and they're not allowed to gotcha. hop over here because of the restrictions that yeah, are here that makes it really state. hard so that also contributed to you so there was a lot of jump factors. like because a lot were... of people do like the hospital birth natural and then home birth with midwife and then an unassisted birth but in your case that middle part of it like that mm-hmm. middle stepping stone was not really even an option right because the home birth midwife right now Right. And I, I had looked into home birth with my third as well, but it just, it wasn't an option. The only option we had were midwives within the hospital. And so I did receive midwifery care or at right. least a hospitalized version of midwifery care with my third because that was the closest that was available yeah. to what I wanted. And then when that wasn't what I was expecting it to be, I was like, that's like, I've, yeah. <laughs> I've exhausted my options here. It's not safe for me to travel, um, <laughs> given my birth history and how far away it is. And just, like, all the other factors. I was like, I'm not even going to mess with it. I'd rather prepare to give birth unassisted. And it was, like, it was a struggle. It was a back and forth of, like, okay, I'm really, really trying. Like, maybe, you know, I'm asking around. Maybe I'm not finding somebody online, but she exists elsewhere. Or, you know, maybe I'll hire someone to come live here or whatever. Like, there was a lot of back and forth and a lot of searching and a lot of like internal battle. And then once I made that decision, I'm going to free birth. There was so much relief. Like I feel it already rushing over my body right now. As I say it, there was so much relief and peace and like 
okay, this makes sense to prepare for free birth, whether or not we eventually find someone to to attend our birth. It makes sense given my history. It would be, in my opinion, in my case, irresponsible to yep. not prepare for a free birth. And then once I got into preparing for a free birth, it was like, well, I'm a prepared. Love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I can feel that relief. Like, because I've been in that place so many times, you're going back and forth in your head, trying to work things out, figure things out, straddling, you know, both sides of the fence, and then finally committing is such a relief. And I think I always mm-hmm. feel really great about women who choose free birth with, with that much peace, as you described, like, not like a, well, I guess I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm scared of the alternative. So this is my next best thing. But when that peace settles in, that always feels like something from the Lord for me. That's like, he's like blessing and affirming, like, this is the path I have for you this yeah. time. And I'm so glad you got to have that, that peace. And when I see how my fourth birth went and I look back, I'm like, okay, thank you, God, for leading me to free birth. And I think that battle was like, it was the father putting in my mind free birth. Like, this is what I have for you. And this is what you're going to need to do. And me fighting against it. Like, no, that's, you know, that's a hassle that looks bad to other people, like whatever my, um, my insecurities were there. And so that's, I remember learning like that's one way you can tell if an idea is from the father or from you. It's like that's not really what you want to do. <laughs> so I think I was fighting it because like it wasn't it wasn't necessarily originally my idea and like an option that I came up with on my own. It was just yeah, yeah. the father. Yeah, thank you for sharing your internal process on that because um I don't think we often get the opportunity to see what goes on <laughs> behind the scenes, so to speak, when people choose rebirth and that internal process that has to happen mm-hmm. and all the questions and what ifs you have to face and the wrestling sometimes and um, I think it's really good to be honest about that yeah I think there's a lot of like right I think it's like there's this stigma of like free birthers are generally like drug addicts <laughs> who don't feel like going to the hospital kind of like generally speaking and it's just so the opposite it's like we care so much <laughs> And we have such a deep knowledge that this we felt like was the best option for our baby and our family all around. And I'm sure there's a few who have like, they couldn't feel that labor was coming on because they were under the influence of something. But I'm sure that's like tiny, tiny percent. Vast majority that I've seen is like, I care about my baby and I care about my health and like how those two coexist because the mother's health is so important to the baby, you have to take care of what your needs are as well. Um, that, that like, those are the people who cho- choose free birth. And like, it's a painstaking decision for most. It's not like something we take lightly. It's not something we just like decide we're going to just see how it goes. Like there's Absolutely. a lot of preparation that yeah. goes into it. Well said. So once you made that decision and the peace rushed in, did you also have a wild pregnancy? Meaning, and in case any listeners don't know what I mean by that, a wild pregnancy just means um, there was no prenatal care from a <laughs> medical professional. <laughs> yeah, I had to. Um, I, I, what I've read from other moms is that in other states you can decide, like, I'm just gonna go get the twenty week, or like I'm just gonna go do like thirty six to check the babies you know, placenta or whatever. And like, like you, uh, in your words, once you dip into the system, your toe into the system, you're on their radar. Um, 
So I actually played around with getting a 20-week ultrasound, like a like an elective ultrasound, but there's not really any... There's one elective ultrasound tech here, and she's actually not trained as an ultrasound tech. So where I've, where I've been to elective ultrasounds before, and they'll still, like, check out your placenta because they've had training and experience, um, she doesn't know how to do any of that. So I'm like, there's just really not any point in trying to... I'm not really getting in, any information or value in doing that, and... So again, like it was something where I wanted a little bit of support. I wanted a little bit of somebody who knows my situation, who's on my side, who's aware of my situation, um, who's like maybe more medically trained. But um, I just yeah. I felt like I could not partner with the medical model in any way. I was like mm-hmm. endangering my family. Yeah. Um, so yes, I had, a, I had a wild pregnancy, a self-directed pregnancy. And I still like, I'm still about charts and graphs and recording and stuff. So I still did my heart rate and my weight and my blood sugar. I had um, opted for my third baby to do the blood sugar testing at home. And so I still had all the equipment for that. Um, And I wrote down like what my symptoms were emotionally, how I was doing my fundal height, like nothing that I felt like was completely necessary but I just I enjoy those numbers I enjoy looking at that sort of thing and um, I kept them in a book and my plan because of the way that New York is and like how I knew I would be under scrutiny if I had to do a hospital transfer or anything was I just kept all that in a book and I put on the back an emergency transfer sheet with my blood type my emergency con um, contacts uh, my aid my date of birth preferred hospitals like all that sort of information so that they could quickly reference it and then they could see all in one place okay this woman is like actually taking responsibility and she's not just not getting care she is caring for herself so I had to kind of cover my butt in that way and then I also I had a chiropractor who was really super awesome and supportive and um yeah I'll sign a proof of pregnancy or I'll do whatever you need so I was getting like care and you are so thorough in your in your ways of doing your prenatal care (laughs) not every wild pregnancy I would say is as like numbers oriented and doing that like such disciplined kind of assessment of how your pregnancy is progressing as you were so I think personality comes out here a little bit too doesn't it as well as forethought that you knew that being able to present certain kind of records or information or data to the hospital if you did end up needing to transfer might kind of pave the way for you to have a less kind of hostile upsetting situation so um yeah thanks for sharing what that looked like yeah exactly and i think this is a good time to mention yes (laughs) i think it's a good time to mention that you were a virtual doula for me and you were um someone that i could consult and like a middle ground of like in between I'm all, I'm all by myself and then there's a hospital of like something goes if I'm questioning how things are going or I just need extra support or Anthony you know Anthony feels the same way that we have somebody who is knowledgeable um that can kind of be like a stepping stone of like oh why don't you try this at home or yes on my experience I recommend going to the hospital that sort of thing so you knew, you know, even more detail about how that went because I was right. working with you. And that was, that was really fun. I love doing that with you. Um, and, and it, it, there is something about having, uh, mm-hmm. another woman who cares about what's going on with you that you could just bounce things off of and 
talk through things. That's really valuable. And I'm glad yeah. we were able to do that together. Yeah. And I think that needs to be something that um, with care, it needs to be something that you, the woman is comfortable sharing all of the details. And so you're somebody who um, I could share without having to censor myself. And that's where you get the best care is where you can be honest with somebody. And you were able to do that for me. So now let's, is it okay? I think we're, I think we're to the point now where we can start to move into what this birth actually looked like. How did that unfold? And hear the actual birth story. Yeah. It's a fun one. <laughs> yeah. So I had, um, I was already, I had like prepared all my postpartum stuff. I had my postpartum hemorrhage basket and my linen cubby and my, like activities for my older children to do in the bed with me so that they could come up and enjoy the postpartum period with me. I had a projector set up in the bedroom. So I was like, I was ready to go. My spiritual, like mental preparation from my third was like, it had been so recent. It just kind of really stuck with me and I felt like I could prepare more for the postpartum period. And so I was just like really enjoying the end of my pregnancy. It was like, middle of fall and um I would like go up to my room and fold baby laundry and watch a show and have time and drink my like electrolyte drink and <laughs> it was it was very enjoyable and of course it's something that is only possible because of my husband and his support and um my husband I had been like dropping little bits of like okay this is what I need your this is what your role is and I had like a note I had a note card these are your roles and another note card, here's our emergency contacts. <laughs> um, make sure you weigh the baby and like all this stuff. <laughs> so we were we were ready and I was coming up on my due date um, and we were having dinner. I didn't like feel anything in particular. I didn't feel like I tired. I didn't have body show or anything like crazy. So, or anything that would like show me that labor was coming. And I had gone with my first to 41 weeks and I know that you know, I was okay going to 42 and that sort of thing. So uh, we're just having dinner like the day or two before my estimated due date. And I told Anthony, um, why don't you let your boss know? It was, it was a Sunday night. So I was like, why don't you let your boss, call your boss in the morning and let him know that you're going to be at work after all. Um, so <laughs> I say that and like as soon as I finish up that sentence, I hear my toddler slip down the stairs in the other room. So I rush to him and I squat down and I feel this pop and this gush <laughs> and my water breaks. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I call Anthony, help, uh, my water broke. And there was a ride at six o'clock, which is the earliest that we'll start the big boy's bedtime. And so he just claps his hands together and he's like, all right, boys, time to go to bed. So they're like circling around me and like walking. I'm up, of course, I'm right at the bottom of the stairs. So they're like walking through my amniotic fluid <laughs> up the stairs. <laughs> to go up the stairs and uh, my oldest son who was five was he having the time yeah he had just turned five at the time um I had him go upstairs and get me a towel to stand on um so he was like my first labor helper which is like really special kind of full circle moment and um so I I stood on this towel and with the other three my water had broken in the middle of labor at some point and it was just like one big gush and it was over with I didn't have to wear a pad or sit on a towel or anything. And with this one, it just kept 
coming and coming and coming. And I had suspected up until that point that I had um, polyhydraminos. I can't think of the latest terms for that. That's <laughs> like excess water, um, excess fluids. And so I just like kept gushing. And then every time I thought it would kind of slow down and I would step forward, like, you know, you pick up your leg and now I'm like compressing my belly. I would get more water, <laughs> more water coming out. So I stood there for like 45 minutes. And then I thought, I'd rather just do this with a shower. And at this time I wasn't getting any contraction. So I already, like my first fear that was coming to me through this labor was what if this goes for a day or two or three and the wrists, and it's like not something I spent a lot of focus on preparing for because it's not something that happened with me before. So I was like, what if this goes a long time? What do I do? And I'm like, no, shut it down, <laughs> shut it down, go take a shower. So finally I made it up, my water broke at six, and then I made it up like quarter to eight. I finally made it to the shower. <laughs> <laughs> and I had lost so much water that I was able to shave my legs, and I just like took my time, like I could kind of see my feet a little bit back, see my knees. <laughs> and <laughs> so I just like, I got all ready, I still wasn't having any contractions, I like washed my hair, shampooed, everything for myself like okay this is gonna be my last shower for a little bit and um so i get out of the shower and finally it was like let's see um, it was like an hour an hour and a half i can't remember exactly the time right now that i got a first i got a contraction and it didn't hurt it was just like a tightening and I took that moment to, like, practice, breathe, like, remember how to breathe through. So I was all proud of myself, like, okay, I'm getting contractions, I'm breathing, like, I'm getting cleaned up and everything. And at this point, I had towels, towel stations to stand. So I went into my bedroom towel station. I got um, some clothes on, like, my giving birth clothes outfit that I had chosen and, you know, brushed my hair and all this stuff. And I took my time up there and then... I went downstairs to my downstairs living room towel station <laughs> and my husband had um, put together a platter of um, foods and hydration and stuff, which is not something that you're allowed in the hospital, but I snuck it anyway because like, you need energy to give birth. So I was, it, it felt nice to just freely eat and not have to like hide it from anybody or have it just be like a quick wrapper like i ate stuff that didn't come yeah. in this, which was nice <laughs> fruits and stuff and we were watching the voice um we were watching the voice and then i was just kind of like started getting kind of sporadic contractions and at some point the overhead light and the sound of the tv show got like really sensory overwhelming for me and so i kind of retreated into the next room which was like darker and quieter and I thought, oh, this could go on a long time. So I really thought my third birth was like a freak thing. And so I thought, this could go on a long time. Why don't I just like lay down as long as contractions aren't really like feeling intense or anything. So I lay down and I'm like texting people and just chilling. And my sister comes like chilling me there. <laughs> and um, I get this contraction and it's so uncomfortable. I was like punching the wall and I could not wait for it to be over. And then a few minutes later, the same thing happened. And I, like, I couldn't move in the middle of the contraction. So I just felt stuck. And I'm like, please be over so I can get up. Be over, be over, be over. <laughs> like, trying to surrender. And then also, like, this sucks. Get me out of here. So 
it ends and I like I get up so fast and my husband comes over to me and he's like okay he had the sense of like okay now it's time to be with her so I was holding his hand and I was standing and we were swaying back and forth and he was rubbing my lower back and it's not like a way that we had been able to work together with either of my previous births especially my third being in the car he was like only driving so he was able to like support me in that way because he had supported me through like birthing but not through labor before um so that was like a really special treat and he just he just had this sense of like what I needed at the time so we're swaying together and then um, I just felt like I wanted to get that same position where I'm on my knees with my arms up on like an elevated surface so I did that and I'm like okay I need some water and it was like let's see 10 maybe 10 or so and so my water no not 10 yeah my first contraction was like an hour before that so we had been kind of doing this for like an hour until before they had actually started being like okay i need to really work through these and so he got me a drink but i didn't have a straw <laughs> like i need a straw pull up my birth playlist and now i'm like working through contractions on my own like okay maybe i should have pulled these up a little bit sooner he pulls up my birth playlist and I finally I can sip my drink because he brought a straw and the first song that came on was so annoying to me. I didn't even recognize it. I was like, I didn't put this song on here. Turn this song off. And he read the title of the song and I'm like, well, I recognized it. And I'm like, don't turn it off anyway. I don't like the song. <laughs> and it was like, just say Jesus or something like nothing that was. <laughs> true like, sign here in serious labor like, was not the right you're like annoyed by all the things <laughs> right yeah exactly <laughs> right exactly so he skipped it and like i didn't i didn't quite notice um any other songs at that point. so he came over and i'm like at this point i'm like okay i don't want to do this much longer not like i can't do this but i'm like i don't want to do this much longer and he actually said, like, you can do this. I'm like, I know I can, and I know I'm going to. I just don't want to. <laughs> but trying to, like, surrender my body. Just, like, voicing it out there. I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to when I can. So um, just, like, being mindful of my what my wording is. And then I got to the point where I was like, I didn't know what to do. I wanted to, like, escape myself. And I was, like, kind of crawling around my hands and knees, like, looking. But I didn't know what to go for. I was just, like didn't want to feel that feeling anymore i just had this like intense cervix pressure um i didn't get the rectal contractions with this one and i i wonder if that has to do with just like feeling safer in a safer environment and not having any sort of fear there um because i, I remember it being attached with fear when I first two which is partly why i got the epidural like i felt like something wrong because i had never heard of this before so I, anyway, I didn't get the rectal contractions with this one. It was just like intense downward pressure just on my cervix. I'm like, man, it would be nice to have feelings elsewhere to kind of detract, detract from that. Um, and so I ended up crawling. I was like kind of my arms were elevated. And then I ended up crawling up so that I was just on hands and knees. And then I got tired of holding myself up. So I had my husband bring the birth ball and I just kind of like leaned over the birth ball. And then it was like maybe a couple contractions and I could feel like I would, I started asking, can you feel him coming? Cause I, I think I could feel him like the cervix opening up and my whole thing throughout this 
my labor was like he doesn't actually have very far to go if you measure from where the baby's head starts to where it ends i love that as a focus point that's really a good one red i hadn't read that before i'm like he really doesn't have very far to go so once once you feel him there it's gonna be quick um was kind of what i I told myself so um i i felt like i i felt like his head was coming up but my husband said he couldn't hear it he couldn't see and i was like really confused at that moment and then i had a couple more fetal ejection reflex and i could feel at that point i was getting the ring of fire but i was able to once the ring of fire started i was to like grab hold and relax and stretch i just told myself relax stretch breathe and then it would happen again relax stretch breathe and so his head was actually born over the course of four contractions and so then his head was out and i could feel like i didn't need to ask at this point like i could feel okay his head is out and um my husband during this time was like push 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 and it was just like uh like reflex for him and I'm like I told you not to tell me when to push and he's like I'm sorry I'm sorry but I didn't listen to him I just was funny that that was kind of like what his reflex was like what do I do I gotta do something okay tell her to push (laughs) and so um the head was out and then at this time Anthony said again I need you to push and I had we had reviewed that he um not to tell me when to push but the way that he had said it and like I knew that he understood why I didn't want him to tell me and that sort of thing so I just felt like I needed to listen to him at that time and so I my contractions had stopped once the head was out my contractions had stopped and so I was like wiggling my hips back and forth like maybe my uterus needs to touch the baby's foot or something like something needs to be tweaked so that it like kicks back in to pushing again um so I wasn't getting the fetal ejection reflex and I just like took a couple of contractions to kind of feel out my muscles, like what was going on, which is not something I got to do with any of my first three. And um, finally I found what I, I felt like were the right muscles and I gave it one push and he just came right out. So I'm like on my hands and knees and I just hear Anthony behind me. I look, I was able to see where I was. Um, we had hung up a clock that I could see from like anywhere downstairs so we could see what time he was born without dealing with the phone or whatever so I looked at the clock and I I could see where the hands were but I couldn't interpret what time it was because of like labor brain and Anthony was behind me and I just started I started hearing come on baby and I didn't hear any crying at this time he was just saying come on baby and I was like I was just being calm just letting him do I couldn't see what was happening so I was just like letting him do his thing and like we already knew kind of he actually had been trained in neonatal like stimulation and resuscitation and such from where he had been deployed one of his uh, deployment locations and so I was like okay the best thing I can do to help him is to just stay calm so I looked at the time I'm like trying to decipher the time and then after a minute or so had passed I was like um what color is the baby and he said he's blue and i knew okay the baby's blue and he's attached to my placenta which is attached to me and he's not like white and floppy so i just told him okay blue is good and then I said, he's a boy <laughs> is the baby a boy and he didn't say anything um at first but then i i gave it a second i asked him again and he said yes 
And so that's how I found out he was a boy, which was not what I had envisioned because he was our first surprise gender. Um, but then I started hearing this like raspy, like a breath from behind me. And then we hear this big cry. And Anthony said, I see 1120. And then I was like, kind of do the math with my labor brain. Like, okay, he was born at 1118, um, which was like two hours after my first interview. And um, so Abel, Anthony like helped me get my leg over. I was still have the cord like behind me attached. And so he helped me get my leg over and like lay on my back. And so I was like, really uncomfortable laying that way so I was like okay I hope I give birth to the placenta really soon because I don't want to lay like this but I feel like I can't move mm. until the placenta is out so I kind of just wiggled my belly not like a full massage but like wiggled it like if you're unattached come on out like shake it up a little bit <laughs> and then within two FER contractions the placenta came out and then we um, went through like cutting the cord and planting it and like getting me cleaned up and comfortable and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing so that yeah. was the birth I can like share the immediate postpartum too but that was that was how we was born it was, like two hours like late on a Monday night just forced upstairs didn't have to call anybody didn't have to coordinate with anybody didn't have to check in with anybody I ended up not even calling you like I wouldn't have had time if I wanted to yeah. I just like didn't everything was going so smoothly that we just kind of did our thing and like wow this is it almost felt like boring <laughs> like I was expecting that same rush that I felt mm-hmm. with my third and this was like kind of boring well there's no adrenaline this time the adrenaline piece was completely missing I know that was yeah missing. yeah Mm-hmm. that was the movie it was just doctor, such an ordinary yeah, night at sure. home like one minute you're watching the voice and the next minute you're pushing out a baby and just there it's like birth is life, life it was is, birth is part like, of life yeah just like instead of watching a tv show you push yeah. out a baby oh my word <laughs> i love it i am struck as i listen to you tell yeah. your story by how so um we uh, present like how mentally present you seem to be like the way that you were able to kind of find certain phrases or thoughts to focus on in the most intense parts to keep yourself grounded and calm, both when you were pushing and then also when you were I waiting think... for Anthony to finish working on babies so that he would breathe. Um, it's like you were just, you had a, a, yeah. some, a truth that you could focus on that kept you from freak out mode, um, which is really beautiful. I think that came down to not only the preparation, but also um, just not being in an environment where my whatever little thinking brain I was able to tap into was completely used up by dealing with other people. I was in a safe place where I was able to like safely switch between the parts of my brain, I guess, in those moments that I, that I needed to as my instincts allowed um and not have it be occupied by like dealing with everybody else because before you know with my third my thinking brain was like okay pretend you're holding your breath oh yeah that makes (laughs) so much sense you had so much leftover bandwidth because you weren't having to tend to all these other people in your space and especially as a people pleasing recovering people pleaser um it's so easy for other people's needs and energies (laughs) to take up yours and so 
it's it's really beautiful. You were even to mm-hmm. be so yes, present to yes, the sensations so in your body this weird. time, um, like being able to feel him descend and mm-hmm. just yeah, you were able to be present to your own birth. Yeah. And that's something that I had heard with home birth stories. Right. Yes. Yes. That's such a good one. I had heard that with other home birth stories and I'm like, how do you know? How do you feel that? And so I was able to feel actually after my water broke, I could feel like his toes, the definition of his digits inside me. And then, yeah, like feeling him descend and like being able to have like control of um, the ring of fire and the fetal ejection reflex to an extent. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That's definitely something that stands out with birth that I share. Yeah, that's so neat. Well, in the little bit of time we have left, do tell us a little bit about your, like your fourth trimester and, um, yeah. Anything you want to say about that? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That has, um, that's kind of evolved. Well, it started out as like, I had done all this preparation and, um, my husband had like an understanding and appreciation of the, the fourth trimester and what a difference it makes when I rest compared to when I'm like trying to push myself to get back into housework and stuff too soon. Um, it just, it's, it affects the whole family. It affects me. It affects me with the baby. It affects the baby. It affects him. It's just like every relation, every person and every relation, like combination of relationships within the house is affected by my healing. And that's something that we both came to believe and see for ourselves, especially with our third. And so that's something that he had like an appreciation and understanding with my fourth. And so he cooked me all the meals and he um, like let me stay up in the room and sleep as much as I could. And um, like encouraged me just to rest and take it easy. And okay. He, you know, like took the boys, all the big boys to church by himself and, um, it's actually kind of morphed into like from three months my baby developed full body eczema and so we ended up like we still six months from that point switch um, staying up at night as I like mentioned in the beginning of the podcast it was my turn to sleep I actually got to sleep last night and so it's kind of turned into like this extended fourth trimester where he still cooks all my meals he still makes sure that I sleep he still like makes sure that my baby and I are taking care of the baby and I are taking care of. Um, And we just kind of have like this new balance and this new lifestyle that has been entirely encouraged by um, our baby, our fourth baby and like that transition of our family and um, just that understanding of physiological birth and rest. Yeah. And physiological fourth trimester, right? It's, it's so neat that he is yeah, able to exactly. see that the ripple effect of how this season goes for you and the baby mm-hmm. on the whole family and on your marriage and, and can support mm-hmm. you in that wholeheartedly and see his part in that. Cause it's the, the guy's part is so important. Like I don't think dads know how important that their role oh, yeah. is in fourth trimester. It's vital. Somebody has to mother the mother. And when they, when a guy can figure out how to step into that and own that, mm-hmm. It's beautiful to behold and good for everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, especially kind of in our society as it is today, where we've lost the village and we don't yeah. have like it's not standard for the women of the town to come 
visit you and check in on you and stuff. And even so, our village happens to like live an hour away, the village that we have managed to create. So when he was able to like step into that role and we have made sacrifices in our life to make that a priority, um, yeah, we've seen, like you said, the trickle effect toward toward yeah, everybody. Well done, you guys. Um, you already had such a cool partnership with him <laughs> that you. shows up in your first three birth stories. And then it seems like this fourth birth gave you guys a chance to really see in like completeness and fullness, the, the beauty of your p- partnership's potential <laughs> um, to support and mm-hmm. uplift and see you through the things that are yeah. intense and hard. And um, yeah. Some of that was experience and some of that was all and like experience and preparation and stuff. And then some of it was just like him seeing me birth in that way. He's just been in awe of like, wow, this powerful woman that I'm married to has like taken it upon herself to birth in this way. And he's just like goes on all the time about how in awe he is of that. And so it's like he almost takes on this like I'm indebted to her because she's so awesome kind of. <laughs> not that I make him feel that way, but he's like, I'll do all the dishes from now on because you're so amazing. That is so sweet. <laughs> That's so sweet. I love it. <laughs> uh, um, well, two things before we sign off here. One is um, I would like people to know where they can find you. And I will put this information in the show notes too, of course, because I forgot to say this at the beginning, but Jolina yeah. offers a lot of different birth related services. And so I want to make sure that those of you who are in the upstate New York area know about her. Um, and then I'd also love if you have any like closing thought of just like, if you, and this, I'm putting you on the spot here, but if you have like one brief piece of counsel you would give to a woman considering an out of hospital birth for the first time, what might you like her to know? Oh, yeah. For me, this is, I had read this, somebody else um and it it, this has been easy for me not easy but easier probably to to come to having dealt with infertility and like all the miscarriage all in all in all we have we've had six miscarriages and we've had either one or three before each of our boys and so um what really stuck out to me is like when you find peace in the worst possible outcome the worst possible outcome being like both mom and baby succumb to birth um when you make peace with that and you have an understanding of like there's only so much you can do to prevent that um and you you don't have a fear of that but an understanding of that and also as a christ follower knowing that you are like in the presence of the father and that you are no longer suffering and that once if that were to happen like you don't care <laughs> ultimately um once you get to that place where it's like something that you have peace with and that you don't fear is when you can say that you're ready to free birth wow yeah yes that's good yeah thank you for sharing that <laughs> um and then do you want to tell people the name of your birth business <laughs> and then we'll put the details of how to get to you there in the show notes but yes so I started off um, just uh, just inspired by kind of my history, my personal and my professional history, and then working with Brooke and um, 
uh, unmedicated birth and free birth and everything. It all just kind of came together into now I've created all around doula and photography services. So I do, um, at the moment, I specialize in postpartum and bereavement doula, which is a role that I've played several times um, over the over the past few years being in the um, bereavement community and then also having friends like having babies and stuff. And then I also um, have done photography. And so I'm adding that in as now I'm getting into birth photography. And so anyone who's like in the far northeast corner, like right in the corner of Vermont, Canada, or even in Vermont, I serve like that whole region, like around Lake Champlain um, with birth photography and postpartum and bereavement services. I'm at allaroundbirth.com. My website, or yeah, that's my website, and that's where you find my my both my free birth story and Judah's police chase <laughs> birth story. That's my favorite. And I'm on um, social media at All Around Birth, and then I have if anyone wants to look into like my recurrent miscarriage stuff, that's actually on my in, my old Instagram this uh, this side of if. So I go through in detail. Um, going through recurrent miscarriage and then pregnancy and parenting afterward. That's perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. You had so many wise and wonderful reflections on your stories and on your process. And I know that this will be a real gift to the women who hear it. So thank you again for being here and sharing so generously. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Of course. All right, we'll see ya. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll be back and join us every week for each new episode. Please be sure to subscribe and share. Get the word out there. Mm